0: Hello and welcome to Publish Me, a monthly podcast series from AS21 Publishing about the independent publishing process of the fantasy epic, The Will of the Magi. I'm your host, Keith F. Shovlin, publisher and chief creative of AS21 Publishing, and joining me as always is...
1: Hi everyone, this is Paul Russell, the author of The Will of the Magi. I hope everyone is doing well right now.
0: Alright, before we get started with the bulk of today's program, we're going to check in with Paul on the writing process of The Will of the Magi. Go ahead, Paul.
1: Thank you very much, Keith. Right. uh, as of last month, when everyone listened in, I had about 65,000 words. Right now, I'm roughly around 80,000. For those of you following on our Facebook page, I did share a brief blurb from one of the scenes I have been working on in the background uh that I know a number of people checked out from you know our information that I think a lot of people like that little a uh, little bit right there this past month I've been focusing very heavily on the um inner politics of the main capital city where my main character has found himself working on the interplay between the various noble houses both major and minor the merchant guilds, uh, the other various powerful individuals, the church leaders and how they're all connected to all the other various people inside there. So I've added, I haven't added as much as I would like to the story, only about 15,000 words or so, but the interplay of the politics in the main city has been dominating this past month.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Paul. I'm going to try to get through the basic news and background real quick because we want to get to the main thing of the program of this month. Uh, First of all, I wanted to mention that we have relaunched the Publish Me webpage at media.as21.com. It's a brand new interface where we actually have the episodes embedded in individual posts, and as a new episode comes available, a new post will go online with the embedded stream right there, and you can leave comments on each episode, and so on and so forth, and that's at media.as21.com. And we also, as of Thursday, we got our 25th Twitter follower. <laughs> so I'd like to thank at uh, Nerdist which is the mother of the Nerdist himself, Chris Hardwick. She's been on Twitter for a few months now, and I got I to gotta admit that we kind of cheated on that one. She, she follows back anybody who follows her. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we got to 25, and, I, and it's been a long time coming, so I'm happy about that. And also, we have a review on iTunes on June 7th, the day of the release of last month's. We got a five-star review, great story so far, by Eleveo, E-L-E-V-E-I-L-L-E. And she said, I'm loving this format. Keep it coming, guys. I can't wait to hear what happens next. So thank you very much, Alaville. You are our first reviewer on iTunes, and we couldn't be happier. We don't have anything to offer you, but just know that our thanks should be reward enough. Agreed. Hey, you- we'll, look you- we'll look you up when the book comes out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Now, I was a bit cryptic at the end of last month's episode. Usually, I tell you what the what we'll be discussing, but I didn't say anything last month. I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to bring it together, but this month, we have special guests. This month, AS21 is happy to release the newest book by author Philip J. Sipkow, The Magnus and the Maiden. So, here on this month's episode, we have joining us... AS21 creative Philip J. Sipkov, as well as illustrator Rebecca Head, who did the cover design and two map illustrations to go along with the book. Uh, say hello, Phil and Rebecca.
2: Hello. Greetings. Hello. to one and all. Yes. Thank
3: you for having us.
0: Thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. So first of all, I want to hand it over to Phil. This is his third book following a book of poetry called Early Thoughts of a Young Man. And a historical biography, Escape from Destiny, uh, the life of Captain George E. Prujan. So I'm going to hand it over to Phil, and he's going to go ahead and talk about his new book, The Magnus and the Maiden.
2: The Magnus and the Maiden is the story of a group of intrepid youths raised on a hidden island and led by the maiden, Casmira, that venture into the mysterious mainland. There they encounter the Magnus, the warrior emperor of the mainland and the keeper of the cards. All the mysteries they seek, it is the cards and the wisdom granted to the keeper that intrigues them most.
0: Your inspiration for writing The Magnus and the Maiden?
2: The inspiration came from Lost Horizon. Lost Horizon is a 1933 novel by English writer James Hilton. The book was turned into a movie also called Lost Horizon in 1937 by director Frank Kappa. It is best remembered as the origin of shangri La, a fictional utopian monastery high in the mountains of Tibet. I personally am weary of reading the ravages of war and I often dream and wonder if there is such a place where I can go to get away from it all. And this story is Again, a utopia, free from the ravages of war, hide in the mountains where something similar to Switzerland that has never been involved in any world war, but because of the mountains, it has been sheltered and kept safe. That was one influence. And then to the um, carrot cards, carrot breeding is The belief in using cards to gain insight into the past, current, and future situations by posing a question to the card. The cards play an important part in the story of the Magnus and the Maiden. And then, I'm a student of history, and in particular, somewhat military history, how terrain can be used to defeat the foe. In The Magnus and the Maiden, you have the mainland, which is only known war. The island, which is mysterious. For a while, it was only a place of legend. Mysterious surrounded by a mist of fog. But there the people live in peace and harmony. They've learned to live together, to solve their problems together. And so when the magnus cars invade the island, the way they, uh, the islanders best defend against this foe is using their own terrain. Not unlike what uh, what occurred during Napoleonic War, when Napoleon tried to invade Russia and when Hitler tried to invade Russia as well. It was a winter that defeated the armies. And that you bring those three, Carrot Cards, Lost Horizon, and I guess military history, and Switzerland. I've been to Switzerland and I've seen the high mountains and how they thwarted any invasion from the invaders.
0: Thank you, Phil. Now, if I remember correctly, you also have a poem called "The Lost Horizon," based off that book, right?
2: Yes, yes I do. And
0: that—that that was actually the very first official episode of the Passion on the Page Poetry Podcast. Was you reading that poem yes. and discussing the novel and how it inspired you to write it?
2: Yes,
0: yes. So that one, that book really seemed to have a lot of influence on you.
2: E- and even to this day, even to this day.
0: Okay, thank you, Phil. All right, now I'm going to turn it over to Miss Rebecca Head, our illustrator. She's going to talk about, after reading Phil's manuscript, what drew her to draw the, the wonderful, creative, beautiful uh, images of both the cover design and the two map illustrations that are included in The Magnus and the Maiden.
3: Thank you, Keith. And uh, thank you, Phil, for the beautiful story that I loved getting to illustrate. It was a whole world that really took a lot of a surprising amount of research to really flush out because it was pretty complex where there are all of these different cultures within each separate culture where there's the island and there's the mainland and they're both so distinct from each other. But then there are all of the smaller lands within those. And I have to say, I definitely think I spent the greater bulk of the time focusing on the maps and I wanted the cover to sort of percolate while I worked on the maps, but also so that it would have a sort of forced simplicity to it. That ended up not really happening because I had all these different elements that I wanted to include in it that ended up getting included. And I'm really pleased with how it turned out. But as far as sort of depicting the culture that Phil describes in the book, I drew from a lot of different sources, probably primarily from, I had the great pleasure when I lived in DC of working at the National Geographic Museum, and so I basically drew from a lot of the different exhibits that passed through while I was there, because especially with the island, I wanted to depict a culture that wasn't necessarily familiar or identifiable as drawing from one particular culture, because... The civilization that they've built on the island is so very unique, and they have this particular kind of harmony that's just so just so hard to find anywhere else, frankly. You really did sort of produce a very beautiful uh, place by itself, but so hard to necessarily equate with any one culture. So to produce a place that really drew from its own identity, if that makes sense, I wanted to borrow from a lot of different cultures that are primitive and yet are Very, very intelligent, primitive in that they don't have electricity, but uh, very advanced in that they are peaceful, very intellectual cultures. So, in my island map, I drew very heavily from the 1001 Muslim Inventions exhibit we had, where there was this very ancient map of the world, one of the first ones by Al Adrisi. And stylistically, I borrowed a couple of different elements. Also, you sort of see a nod to his flying machines that I put in Astar, I believe. Is that, yes. Philip? I've never heard you actually pronounce that out loud.
2: Yes, is it Astar?
3: Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Uh, Where, I don't want to give too much away, but there are people who use flying machines. So I wanted to have a nod to, to that a little bit. Also borrowing from Japan stylistically a little bit as far as their older maps, the mainland was a bit more easy since there are so many warlike cultures. Uh, so I'd say it's sort of a more of a British naval map, but with sort of Viking elements thrown in. Definitely a little bit more easily recognizable. And then the cover was really just kind of focusing on the different characters and the way that they embody the different cultures that they come from, wanting to give them sort of adventurous design where they look like they would be up to that kind of uh, exciting adventure. I guess a little bit age ambiguous so that people of a lot of different ages can relate. I don't know, just trying to draw on lots of different elements from the book that I don't, I don't want to give away to too much. Have I already gone on for too long already, Keith? No, no, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's most of it.
2: <laughs> well, that's brilliant. And I'm static. I'm overjoyed. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, Rebecca, you're the best. You've thank brought you. my story, you've brought my story to life. And I can't thank you
3: enough. Thank you. You're most welcome.
0: And of course, if you want to check out the the cover of Magnus and the Maiden, we officially announced it on Tuesday, June 23rd. We are starting the pre-order of Magnus and the Maiden started on Tuesday, June 30th through the AS21 market, market market.as21.com. But also on the book crowdsourcing site, PubSlush, you can visit the page at magnus.pubslush.com and go ahead and pre-order your copy at a slight discount. What we're going to also do is we're going to make posters with Rebecca's beautiful maps available, and those yes. are going to be able to be purchased through the AS21 market and at select events so that we make sure that Rebecca is properly paid for yes. her wonderful work here. Thank you. Yes. So I'm so
3: glad that you all like them.
0: You'll get the book for on August fourth for nine ninety nine, but you can pre-order it today from the AS twenty one market or the page on PubSlush, Magnus.PubSlush.com, dot for nine dollars and nineteen cents. Because Woo! I said so. <laughs> no, <it's a> steal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You save eighty cents off for this a wonderful new ebook coming off from AS twenty one by Philip J. Sipkov with the wonderful illustrations of Miss Rebecca Head. All Ooh. right, now Ooh. Paul's getting antsy here. It's the longest he's had to sit quiet on one of our podcasts since the second one. When I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's This is about you guys. It's, I, it's his show. Usually, I mean, he comes in, he gets to wax nostalgic on the Gaelic language and such. <laughs> so I, I know I, I know you're your antsy there, Paul. So I'm going to open it up to you. You have these wonderful artists that you can pick their brains on. I mean, talk to Phil about building his magical world. Talk to Rebecca about visualizing it. And uh, please, feel free.
1: Excellent. Again, Phil, Rebecca, thank you guys so much for this opportunity. It's uh, something I truly enjoy. Um, I always do enjoy picking the brains of other writers and other artists for everything else that they do and they work with. I guess... My first question will be for you, Phil. Yes, sir. And my first question would be, how much research did you have to do for this novel that you wrote? And where did you go in your research?
2: Well, I'll I'll go with the second question. Uh, You may know Keith and I work at the Library of Congress. So that is a trove of knowledge... And, and any subject you so wish to roll uh, into. So that that was, there was no problem. The inspiration for the book came from, again, uh, there was, when I first started writing about it, it was the mainland or the land of war and the island of peace and harmony. And again, the inspiration came from lost horizon. But then my, uh, interest in, Knights in shining armor, Vikings, and Mongolian horsemen came into play. My passion, I'm I'm an equestrian. I've been riding horses for four years. So cultures and peoples that rely heavily on the horse have been always an interest to me. So hence my interest in knights and chivalry. Mongolian horsemen and then of course the Vikings. They all came into play, but these are cultures really endowed with with war. Then came my I guess my my pacifist side, my disdain for war and all the ravages of war that it brings and what it has brought to civilization. And wouldn't it be nice to live in a place? What comes to mind is there's a song from the uh I think it was the nineteen seventy three version of the Lost Horizon*. It might have been written by, uh, Burt for all I know. And just, and a lot of my, my memory is that, have you ever dreamed of a place far away from it all where the winter winds will never blow and living things have room to grow and the sound of guns doesn't pound in your ears anymore? So you have, again, the mainland and the island. Now originally I didn't have the card when I first, the first draft, there was no magic. There was no cards. Yes, there, there was a fantasy element to it. But later on, I just happened to read about the tarot cards and how you know the insight into the past occurred in the future. And then that's when I interjected the cards into the story. And I've been rambling on. So uh, does that answer your question?
1: Absolutely. That answers my question. Thank you very much, Phil. Uh yes,
0: Just a point of information that is the music of Burt Bacharach and Hal David in the musical version of Lost Horizon 1973.
1: (laughs) Yes, thank you. Excellent. So I guess my next question is going to be for Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca, as the artist working with our works, you have to obviously go through our novels piece by piece, looking at them, visualizing them in ways that we visualize them, but also in ways that hopefully our readers are going to visualize them. So when you are going through our works, what is it you look for when you are looking to draw up a cover or draw up these maps or draw up maybe something else inside the book, some individual scene or something like that?
3: Definitely drawing from elements of it, especially uh, moments or or tangible things that That are interesting and that are fun so that it will draw other people in, the readers and the people who, you know, might even like illustrations and things like that. But I wanted to find all things about the cultures that would draw people in, things like beautiful landscapes or like on the island, you could picture someone sort of going over a map leisurely with uh, a nice cup of tea or something like that. The person on the mainland, of course, would be enjoying wine from a jeweled glass, almost kind of so that you feel like you're there looking over the map, but in kind of like a leisurely, almost enjoyable experience, which is uh, what reading a book should be, where you're sort of in a place that's physically comfortable, but you're looking at things that are beautiful and imaginative and interesting. It looks like something that you want to do.
1: Okay, very nice. Thank you very much for that, Rebecca. Phil my next question is going to be for you again I'm just going to bounce back and forth I guess between the two of you you mentioned that the cultures that you drew your inspiration from were the cultures of the knights so I'll I'll make an assumption here that that would probably be the English and the French cultures since they're the ones that most people are most familiar with in terms of the knight culture you or drew inspiration from Mongolian culture since again they are exceptionally famous horse culture and then you drew from the viking culture for your warlike faction when you were looking into these cultures you had specific ideas in mind for which way you were going to go with them they were whether they were going to go with the island faction or with the mainland faction did you look into the cultures in ways that you could gently insert into your story ways that things that might be slightly contradictory to the general idea of those cultures? Or did you just find the aspects of them that perfected that image of the horseman or the warrior or the peaceable society?
2: Each, each of their own, you actually absolutely right, the, uh, the French and the English, the Vikings, and the Mongolians, their intent was empire to invade, to occupy, to ravage, to pillage, and make it their own. And it seemed that in lending itself to the story, you have the knights who have their castles, their chargers, their armor. You have the Mongolian horsemen who live on the Asian grasslands. This is where they're at home, and from there, this is where they launched their invasion. They almost made it to Europe. And then the Vikings, of course, from their ships with the dragon heads, they cast fear upon all that they encountered. So that lent itself to the mainland. These three historical warring peoples, warriors, that was, for me, was a distinctive place. All
1: right. Thank you very much, Phil. I I definitely agree with all those facts and, you know, all those little ways you look into the cultures um i i always enjoy personally you know i i research history myself personally as well and i always find those little details from each of the cultures i'm using as uh blueprints for the cultures i'm developing as additional ways to flesh them out in ways that people that are reading my stories can relate to Um, um rebecca my next question for you when you are Going through these drawings, how much of the process of creating the drawing do you try and maintain control of versus what potentially the author might feel should be involved with the drawing itself? Do you try and create a drawing or two where it's purely your input into the artist and then work with the artist, uh, work with the writer to flesh it out from there or what do you do with that?
3: Well, I really was working with Phil pretty much every step of the way where I would talk with him about my ideas and things that I was going to make. And frankly, I guess something in my drawings that he saw before I started, he liked because I've never had such freedom with an artistic project or process. I would always show him things and be like, "Here." genuinely tell me if this is, you know, fulfilling your vision for the book, if this looks like how you envisioned it, if I'm drawing from the correct things, tell me if there's anything that I hate. And his response was always, yes, like, I trust you, go ahead. And so, frankly, it was nice. It, I've never had quite that level of freedom to sort of take the source material and really run with it and produce something that, that was very fully fleshed out visually as well as drawing from his pieces. And I just thank you, Phil, for for believing in me and for trusting me. And it really was fun to get to kind of piece it all together.
2: You're most welcome. And again, I felt that I wanted you to read the story and then interpret it in your in your art. I, I, I could but only let, allow you the freedom to do that. And I can only wonder if someone else reads the story, what will come to mind? So that's why I felt very safe and uh, sort of appropriate that I allow you, I gave you free reign and I, I have no regrets. It, it, it's brilliant. It's brilliant.
3: Well, thank you. I'm glad I didn't let you down. <laughs> thank you. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No.
1: Rebecca, I think you got the luckiest chance right there of all the writers. I know when it comes to getting art done for their books, almost all the other writers I know are, I-, I can't think of any nice terms for them <laughs> that I want to say <laughs> over this podcast. I think everyone just needs to understand what I'm saying for this one. Prices I... are terrible, terrible people for the most part when it comes to other people working with our stuff. And Rebecca, Phil, you guys got the jackpot here with each other, apparently.
2: Oh, Phil's a believe... wonderful
3: person. <laughs> believe <laughs> me, I know.
2: <laughs>
1: All right. Excellent. So, I guess I'm going to bounce back to you, Phil, with my next question. Yes, sir. I, I got to ask the simplest question that I think that all artists get. Rebecca, I will be asking you the very same question next. So for both of you, we'll start with Phil, then we'll go to Rebecca.
3: Okay, what I have time to prepare.
1: There you go. What got you into this? So, for Phil, what got you into writing? What got you into your poetry? Rebecca, what got you into art? And that, that's, that's my question. So what got you guys into this?
2: Uh, it goes back to my first book, which is poetry. It was my college sweetheart. It all started, you know, how to woo her. And I still believe that poetry is the language of love. And uh, for a while, I mean, I, I was writing a poetry and it did melt her heart. But unfortunately, as, you know, what can I say? Uh, we, we did go our separate ways, but my own father, who just happened to run across my form, says, why don't you put it to print? So that was the start. And then my second book was my, my parents are originally from Bulgaria. When we came to, you know, we came to this country, we had no relations, but one Captain George Pujan, his original name was Pujan, but he was Russian. When he came to the States, he changed his name to Pujan. We met each other at Rock Creek Stables. I was riding there and we, we struck up a conversation. To make a long story short, he became my adopted grandfather. He told me of his trials and tribulations after World War I. And my love of history and horses was the impetus and the inspiration for that. And then moving to this most recent endeavor, again, based on the other said, okay, I, I have this story in my mind. It's burning. Let me put it to paper. And uh, here we are all talking that uh, I just went with the flow. And here I go, and here I am.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much for that, Phil. Thank you for that. Rebecca, how about you?
3: I guess you could say that I've I've just always kind of been doing it ever since I could put a pencil to paper. It's just always been something that I've enjoyed. And if you're the kind of person who believes in talent, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I always sort of had a natural proclivity to it. And obviously that married with uh, years of working at it, because it's something that I enjoyed and perceived that I was good at. It sort of developed into its own thing. I mean, I went to, after having been, quote unquote, good at art for my school career, I went to college to study marketing, and then realized that I hated marketing and thought, well, hey, I'm pretty good at this whole art thing. So why don't I just get a degree in that instead? (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, it's, it still brings me joy. And I mean, I obviously do it well enough that people like looking at them enough to put them in their books. So, you know, why stop there?
1: That sounds awesome. Thank you very much, Rebecca. All right. Let me look at my list right here, see if i got anything else going on for questions here.
0: All right. Yeah. While, while you're looking over, I'll ask a question of the group. All right. Yes. Of course, we are not also creators, but we are also are consumers. We read and we watch, and soak in, everything. So I want to ask each of you, what was the last fantasy story, whether it be book, movie, television show, anything that really spoke to you, captured your attention, and you just loved. So whoever wants to go first, I'll throw it up in the air. <laughs> Jump ball. The uh yes. Go ahead, Phil. Uh, the uh the hobbit. Okay. No is that the movie or the book? Or the movies? Uh, <laughs> the, uh. the,
2: the, the movies. The movies,
0: yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Um Paul?
1: I, I can't read anything by itself um i have to tackle several different ones at the same time i'm one of those really really odd people so I, the last three i was hitting at the same time were the wheel of time series by robert jordan and then wrapped up by brendan sanderson the chronicles of necromancer by gail z martin no relation whatsoever to george rr R. martin i asked her and um <laughs> The Broken Empire Trilogy by Mark Lawrence.
0: And, and Rebecca?
3: I was just looking around to see if I have this book near me because I wasn't expecting you to ask me. Oh. <laughs> um, gotcha! <Ha. laughs> I I really had been hunting for a page-turner for a long time because I've been reading a lot of nonfiction. Oh. Uh, so it was a huge... I know. <laughs> it was a huge treat to stumble across... I It has a long, complex title. I think it's The Beautiful and Tragic Sorrows of Ava Lavender. It's The Something-Something Sorrows of Ava Lavender, but it's got a particular tragic whimsy to it, and I'm such a sucker for whimsy or things of that nature. And the way it will describe something, it was the language that got me. It was the way that they would describe things like a rainy day in New York City, but they would talk about how... Uh, the rats would flip over cockroaches and then ride their bellies down the street like arthropod rafts, and just little tiny silly things that really give life to something. Instead of saying it was a rainy day in New York City,
1: Rebecca, so it was a treat. Uh, it's the strange and beautiful sorrows of Ava Lavender.
3: That's so, the one. There you go. Thank you.
1: No problem.
0: And just you know, I'll take part to the one that really grabbed me most recently was the Magician series by Lev Grossman. We listened to it, my wife and I, on when we went on vacation last fall, uh, all three books of the series, and that really spoke to me well. And then I continued on into other ones, I really, Lev Grossman's books really just painted such a vivid story and really drew me in, and I really enjoyed them a lot. And it's now to be a TV series from the sci-fi channel or Sifi, depending on how you want to pronounce it.
1: <laughs> the sci-fi channel has been dead for a long time.
0: That's why, that's why I said Sifi. Ch- <laughs> channel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Paul, did you think of your final question?
1: All right. My final questions
0: or questions. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go. My final
1: question is going to be for both of you. What is the next project? Ooh. Like, for Phil, are you going to write another collection of poetry? Are you going to write another novel? What are you going to write next, or are you going to do something else next in terms of your artistic project? Rebecca, are you going? To, what are you going to draw next, paint next, or are you going to do something else artistic? That's my question for you.
2: Uh, Rebecca, you first, please.
3: Well, that's a good question, Keith. Uh, <laughs> but don't worry, we'll talk about that later. Yes, yes. Any future folks. <laughs> You're allowed to have non-book related. For anyone else listening to this, if anyone wants me to do a book with Keith, please feel free to let us know. But other than that, my next non-book related project is a series of oil paintings that I'm hoping to do. Weirdly enough, my well, I'd say mostly my professional life has really uh thrust me into a place where I'm studying lots of gemology. Weirdly enough, and uh, different stones, especially in types of jewelry, but just the chemical compositions of the stones, and I want to do a painting series that explores that a little bit and explores how they look, how they look when they're worn, different things that they have to say, especially about the people that wear them, and uh, i Fortunately, have been able to have a couple of really great models that I work with with that. One of the nice things about living in Chicago is that you sort of run into a bunch of actors who live here because apparently it's a great springboard for that. And so it was easy to get some very willing, very emotive participants. And I also work in a place where I have access to very beautiful gemstones. So that was fortuitous. Very nice. So it'll be fun to explore in the future.
1: <laughs> awesome. And you, Phil?
3: I'm
2: going to, my, I've been, it's a takeoff of Escape from Destiny. Captain Pujan, when he migrated to the States, he became involved with the CIA because of his knowledge of first Russian and second, uh, he was a consummate horseman. They used him. He was like an asset and he He was like, well, I guess for lack of a better description, he was an agent because during the Cold War, he traveled throughout Europe and he mixed and mingled with the military, the diplomats and the elite of Europe, who else was uh, riding horses at the time. And then I'm going to interject, I don't know if you're aware of, many, many people think of Muslims, they think of individuals with dark hair and dark eyes. But if you go to Yugoslavia and parts of Eastern Europe, you encounter people with blonde hair and blue eyes. So we have a a fundamentalist modern faction who goes in the orphanages and raises the the children to infiltrate into society and wreak havoc. So it's like a, a spy thriller. And the name will be Codename Horseman. So that's just a sneak... Preview of a story that may come.
1: Very nice. Excellent. Thank you very Thank much,
2: you're Phil. You're welcome. Very nice.
0: All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you everyone for coming together. I was so happy that we were able to make this work. And of course, you know, the dynamics of, you know, with launching this podcast, it's all been an experience in using the different audio technologies and Skype. I mean, every month, uh, Paul and I get together to do this interview over Skype. And this time, uh, Rebecca is joining us through Skype and Phil is calling in. So that's why there may be differing audio quality between each of the participants today and we're kind of all over the you can't call chicago part of the eastern united states (laughs) so but yeah so she's out in the midwest and of course paul's up in new jersey and i'm here in virginia and uh, phil is in maryland just north of washington dc so we're we're spread out and just the wonders of technology that can bring us all together and in the case of me rebecca and paul face to face so thank you all for listening. This is the July 7th edition of the Publish Me podcast. We'll be back next month. Now, once again, I'm not going to make an announcement because we are not got a couple things up in the air waiting to hear back on. Things to look out for this month coming up on July the 14th will be the next edition of Creative Speaking, the AS21 web video series, in which we'll feature Phil Sipkov talking about his book, The Magnus and the Maiden. The Madness and the Maiden is now available in pre-order for 9 19 Come August 4th, you'll be able to buy it for $9.99, and that will be available everywhere. Amazon, Kobo, Smashwords, com, uh, and then who knows from there. And, of course, Rebecca's wonderful maps will be available both in the book and as posters that you'll be able to buy online at the AS21 market. So, uh, any final parting words from Phil and Rebecca? I'll let Rebecca go first.
3: Oh, uh, just a huge thank you for for having me as a part of this podcast, as a part of the whole project, and I really look forward to seeing where this goes in the future and hearing eventual feedback from all of you readers out there. I love you already, even though I haven't met you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Phil, parting words?
2: I can't wait for the movie. We're going to do an animated movie. Rebecca's going to continue her her beautiful illustration. So you just wait... (laughs) See people. <laughs> I think I, think.
0: I think Rebecca Sorry. will be creating the images to which a team of animators will then be bringing to life. Yes. we're not going to yes. work Rebecca that hard.
3: <laughs> but I, then I'll storyboard artists. That's fine with me. But then, of course, Phil, you
0: retain the the film rights. So what do you do with that? <laughs> That's your business. I just just give me a little. Well, this, is,
2: this, <laughs> this is going to be AS Twenty One film. The film. I mean. We, we're, 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 venturing, out. That, that's we're way, venturing out That's
0: way beyond our two minute YouTube video
2: <laughs> It all starts with a thought and, 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 and the the Creation is a dream so I have a dream Okay <laughs> <laughs> Okay
0: Alright all right. well thank you for joining us once again I'm Keith F. Shovlin, publisher and chief Creative of A's 21 Publishing For the Publish Me Podcast And once again everyone
1: this is Paul Russell uh, author of the wonderful book, well, hopefully wonderful book, The Will of the Magi. And please, everyone, do remember, where there are thoughts and ideas, there are stories. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next month.
2: Amen. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Copyright 2015, AS21 Publishing, LLC. All rights reserved. AS21 Publishing. What do you want your book to be?